Welcome back to The Francisca Show, where we encourage fellow artists and entrepreneurs to collaborate and support each other while sharing their stories. I'm Francisca, a singer, composer, music producer, and also your host. And just before we start the show, I'd like to thank all our listeners for following the show, writing in, because that is the only way we can grow this platform and make it more enjoyable for you. If you haven't yet, please do subscribe to the show and also leave us a good review because that helps us a lot. Introducing the latest bat mitzvah obsession, the Francisca Karaoke Studio. The bat mitzvah hall transforms into a high-tech karaoke studio where girls sing their favorite songs and take a recording home as a souvenir. If you would like more information about this program, please reach out to me at franciscak at gmail.com or go to franciscamusic.com and click on the bat mitzvah tab. This is the newest, hottest bat mitzvah activity. So what are you waiting for? Please write to me at franciscak at gmail.com. F-R-A-N-C-I-S-K-A-K-A-Y at gmail.com. Today on the show with us, we have Abigail Grossman from Antwerp, Belgium. She's an art teacher, artist, and mother... We are so delighted to have you on the show. Welcome. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I, you did not grow up in Antwerp. You grew up in a different European country. So I grew up in London, England, which is a pretty large Jewish community. Went to Bisiakov School. Besides for academic subjects, there was a lot of emphasis on arts in our schools. So I'm the fourth of nine. So I have three brothers and five sisters who we're all just a creative family. We were always doing artistic things together. We would have school projects and my mother would sit with us and the whole family would sit around the table together to work on. If one of us had a project to do for school, the whole family would work on it together. It was just always art orientated. We loved doing artistic things. My mother would always buy us as gifts, colors and coloring books and arts and crafts. And that was just, that was what we all have to do. Both my parents are also artistic, even though neither of them are actually professional artists. So you grew up with this creative vibe in the home. Everything was colorful and creative. And there was that ambiance. Okay, so take us through your education and then tell us where the switch happened from this being a hobby, a way of life, to a career you'd like to pursue and an education you'd like to have. So I, okay, so I started, as a child, I was always coloring on anything I could find, anything I could do in school, go through high school. When the teachers thought I was taking notes in class, I was almost never taking notes. I was always drawing, which didn't mean I wasn't following the class. It was just... I found it easier to hear what I was hearing if I was drawing than if I was having to write down really quickly what what the teacher was saying. And then I did GCSEs, which is what we take in the 11th grade. So 10th and 11th grade, we work on our GCSEs. And there are some subjects you have to take, for example, math, English, um, um, French as as a subject we had to take GCSEs those are like subjects like that and then there was some that you could choose so even history was a subject you could choose as GCSEs but you could also choose creative subjects so there was sewing cooking and the, the creative subject that I chose was art it was obvious for me and that was already when I knew like I'm gonna do something with my art growing up so I did the art GCSE I loved it I 
I did great. And it was known that the art GCSE was actually, as much as one thinks that art is just easy and non-academic, it was actually much, much more work than any of the other subjects. And then it came to A-levels, which is what we take in the 12th grade. And there, the A-levels are so intense, you only take a few subjects. I just thought, okay, I've done enough with my art. I've gone as far as I need to go. I don't need to take art anymore. I, I took computers and maths and I don't even remember what else but um then my art friends would come to the classroom at the end of the day and they'd say I'm so stressed I have to do 10 more paintings by next week and I just haven't started and I don't know what to do and I remember just thinking oh I'm so jealous of them I wish I had to do 10 paintings by next week and I decided to switch over to art I just had to do it and it was the best decision I did I switched over got uh, top grades in art and it was intense it's a lot of work it's painting every night till three in the morning and just and it's not just painting it's also learning about artists learning from artists and things and that's when I knew like I can study all these academic subjects but I am an artist to my core and then after seminary I did a year in graphic design and my, it was just one year, it was a diploma, it was not a very high education, but it was just something to do. And the teacher, it was in a Jewish um, girls college program, it was a sort of spin off of the main college. Um, and the teacher was from the main, uh, the London College of Communication, it's a very big um, college university in England. And the teacher tried to persuade me to come and do, he didn't try to persuade all the girls, but he did try to persuade me to stay on and do the whole degree in graphic design because he, he saw, I guess he saw the potential, but I, I didn't do it because my parents weren't too keen on me going to, uh, art university, which even more so than any other subjects there quite hippie they my mother my parents were quite worried for me to be in that sort of environment with by myself without friends and and so I didn't continue to do it I ended up getting married the next year and in Israel again I was just looking for something to do we lived in Israel for the first year I studied in Michlele Tamuna which is uh, also a Jewish uh, a girls' university for for girls who want to study art on the same level as Betzalel University, but Betzalel is also it's very it's a very hippie, very arty, quite process. There's a lot of having to paint things that um, aren't appropriate for the more religious of us. And Michlele Tamuna opened many years ago to fill in that gap for the religious women who want to get a high level of art education um, without having to go to Batalo. But I only managed to complete one year from there out of uh, four years. But with art, I never felt like I need the actual papers to prove that I can paint. As long as you're practicing, as long as you're working in it the whole time, that's good enough. But it does help to have some educational basis in it um and there was always a part of me there was a part of me that wishes I could have continued but my husband got a good job opportunity in Belgium which was supposed to be only for one year we came to Belgium 
And so I didn't do much with my art. I painted here and there, but I didn't do much with it because I thought we were here for a year. And when it became apparent that we were staying here longer than a year, um, I started to think maybe I should start actually start turning my art into career. It was never a question of if I should turn my art into a career because somewhere in going to the graphic design in England or somewhere along the lines, it just became clear to me that I was going to be an artist always and I was going to do something with my art. And I just decided that maybe um, it was more finding time once I was settled here and I knew I was going to be here for the rest of my life. I just got that little push from my husband to just go for it. I put an advert in the advertiser, in the local advertiser, that I'm starting to teach art classes. And I thought I'll be happy if I fill up one group, maybe two groups maximum a week, um, which is how it's uh, very quickly. I filled up two groups. And before I knew it, people were calling left, right and center. Their kids were hearing about my art classes and they wanted to come. I only ever did that one advert. I never had to do another single advert. And now I teach about 10 classes a week and I make, I run paint parties and I paint um, commissions or just my own paintings to sell. And I've done a, a bunch of wall murals for people, basically anything art. And also people know here in Antwerp that if they need an artistic job done, that I am their number very often. Yeah, that's really incredible. Thanks for sharing about your education. I think many aspiring artists, maybe one of our younger listeners would be interested in hearing about the programs you attended and the reasons you chose that program. Michlela Emuna. And I I know you have this motto and passion for art and one of your favorite quotes by Pablo Picasso is all children are artists. The problem is how to remain an artist once you grow up. So you definitely cater toward children, toward the younger generation, for mm -hmm. anything art-related in Antwerp. How do you see yourself trying to bridge that gap for adults to stay connected to art, and not just through their children, but also for themselves? I was explaining how in England I had such so much opportunities for art. There was the GCSEs, there was the A-levels art, and If it wasn't art, then girls had sewing or cooking or sports or music. There were so many opportunities to shine outside academics that actually everyone shone in something. Whereas here in Belgium, um, in the Jewish schools, it's there isn't that opportunity. They don't they they see art as extracurricular, something you do as an extra, something that the not so smart girls are good at. But it's not really, if you want to be academic, if you want to do well in school, then drop your art classes because that's not, that's not so important. So the girls, when they come to me at this young age, I always show them how amazing it is. I, I try to show them how the painting, they're able to express themselves, how they feel good just by sitting and painting for an hour, how the creativity is a way to express themselves. And um, and when they, sometimes they sound quite surprised when they sit, when I tell them that ladies come to me, but then they see how these ladies are doing well and they're enjoying it. And I try to keep them in this environment where they see that art is actually in a way of expressing yourself and even when you're older it's not just a hobby it's not just something you can do if you're good at it and if you enjoy it embrace it and go for it stay 
keep in touch with the artistic side and it doesn't mean you're not smarter. Some people are not so smart but are artistic, but some people are really, really smart. If you look at Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, they were scientists, they were geniuses and they were artists. And I try to keep talking to them. So we do classes where we study the artists and I show them works from them and we try to learn from them, to learn from Van Gogh and from all these artists to see how these were clever people, some of them businessmen, some of them scientists, and they were artists. And the artists was did not mean they weren't smart. And in fact, they were incredibly successful and smart people. And they should not feel like they have to hold back from their art in order to do well in everything else. So that's really beautiful. And I get the feeling that you're very family oriented and that you gave up studying for and finishing up your degree in Israel for your husband's position, which I'm sure has benefited you as well. But I just want to ask you on a personal level, do you feel any regret that you did not finish your degree? I know it's not about the paper, but it is about the education that you receive throughout the years on top of the experience you get yes so I did always I I often had very much so this regret that I never managed to finish any of my degrees not the graphic design and not the the art degree and there was something inside me that kept thinking maybe I should have pushed a bit more maybe and then I started looking around me and I walked along the streets of Antwerp and I realized that actually Antwerp is an artist city the streets here are named after artists. I live on Anton van Dyck Strat. It's, uh, it's named after the famous artist Anton van Dyck. There's Rembrandt Strat. There's Rubensley. All the streets here are named after artists. There's so many artists here. It has to be, and, and you see people on the streets. You see, I see art students on the street. There's big art stores. I thought there must be, there's a big art university. There must be something for me, something for English speaking, because I don't speak fluently the local language, Flemish. Um, there must be something for international students. And it was actually a funny story. Someone came to fit our air conditioning in the art room. And he looks around the art room. He says, this is beautiful. My art, my wife is also an artist. So I asked him, oh, really, what, how, where do, does she study? Does she, and he told me, yes, she studies a course here in Antwerp. It's uh, twice a week. It's, it can be, it's in Flemish, but the teacher speaks also English because his wife is Spanish. And you can, and she studies that. And so I got very excited about this. It was, it just sort of fell into my lap. I knew I had this feeling there must be something like this. This just fell in my lap. I went online. I found this course that he told me about. And it turns out it's a proper course. It's a seven-year program, but it's only twice a week for four hours each time. And you can choose from a series of classes throughout the week. So I go on Sunday mornings to a portrait class, um, which is something that I really would like to work on. I can do portraits, but I can always do better. And then on Monday, it's a model class and uh, still life. He has all these still lifes and I paint those. And very often I just bring my own works in and I get advice from the teacher on how to take things to the next level and bring out the best of that work. And at the end of the seven degree, seven years, you get some qualification which has a Flemish word for it that I don't know that he says it's the equivalent of a degree so I won't have an actual BA but I'll have the qualifications of a degree and the knowledge which is the most important if I don't get a paper at the end 
at least I feel like I'm finally really committed to something. I'm really learning it. And now I'm doing this portrait and still lives. And over the years, once I feel ready, I can maybe go on to some of the other things. Although I did feel like these are the most important because once you've got down portraiture and still life and maybe sceneries a bit here and there I bring in, then you can pretty much include everything in there. And then it's just a matter of working your own style into what you've learned. Wow. So I really love how you incorporated all these different things. And I think I was onto something when I asked you this question, because yeah, it definitely. seems like you found an alternative to, to the no pressure, get the education without the degree. Correct. Which sounds ideal for your situation. So I did want to talk about, you did mention earlier how your parents didn't want you uh, being in uh, the Betzal school and how the environment of artists is a hippie and you probably had other implications of that word. So I just want to touch upon the religious issues and sensitivities that may exist in the world of artists. I'd like to just bring that to this right. episode. So, okay. First of all, there's a big part of art school and studying art properly is painting nudity, painting more than what what a Bisiaco gal is used to painting, let's say like that. But also the kind of people that I could potentially have maybe started um, mingling with and being with are maybe smoke things. I don't know. I don't really know. I'm, I'm just saying things, but just not the way of life of a base Yaakov gal. And it, it's, it's just always a bit, um, maybe better where possible to not have to, um, go there in, in my way of life in in where the way I was brought up is I'm not, I'm not at all judging anyone who does go to these places. And in fact, I have friends who did go and it was totally fine. Um, and, I don't even know if it would have necessarily been a problem, but my parents felt like it was right for me not to um, go at the time. Yeah. Do you feel like you would go at this point now that you're married and you're older and you're settled? At this point, I would. And in fact, where I go, there is um, though a lot of these kind of people. There's one class where they're painting um, nudes. I don't join that class. That's a personal choice. Because I don't feel like I absolutely have to. If I really felt like I would benefit from it, I would. But I don't. I feel like the portraits and the still lives is good enough for me. So why put myself where I'm slightly uncomfortable, you know? And I even mentioned it to one of my classmates. I said, I don't know, maybe I'm making a mistake. I should really go and join the class, but I'm just slightly uncomfortable. And she said, don't do it. If you're not comfortable with something, don't do it. Don't. And, and this was a non-Jewish lady. And she said, don't put yourself through something you're not comfortable with. Art is something about freedom of expression and you're supposed to be comfortable with what you're painting. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just saying it's it's something I'm not used to. But I'm there, I'm in the class, I sit with them, I have coffee with, with my classmates whilst I'm in break, we chat, I'm, I consider them friends, um, they're not my close circle of friends, but I'm friendly with them, and I, and I very much enjoy it, and it is definitely different now that I'm married, and like you say, I'm settled, I guess I'm not relying on, that's not my social life that I'm relying on, like it would have been when I was 18, 19, if that's all the social life I was having, then I could have maybe 
been sucked into it more. Right. So thank you for touching upon that. I, I like to discuss the intricacies of the how different Jewish sensitivities and community standards affect our personal choices as as we choose our paths in artistry. So I also love to talk on the show about the financial aspect, the logistical aspect of being an artist and how that affects us financially. It's really hard to, you know, negotiate your value, especially when you paint a painting for someone or a mural it's hard to say you know this is what I charge maybe you charge per hour but putting a value on your time on your art on your talent and telling people what the price point is having them pay maybe having to chase them for the money sometimes you also so let's talk about that and then I I want to hear if you needed to is this something that supports you or can support you so yeah there's sometimes I do come across that because like I told you here in Antwerp, the arts isn't maybe in the Jewish community of Antwerp, the arts isn't necessarily appreciated as much as it could be. Um, I love Antwerp. I love everything about Antwerp. I, let me just get that out there. But sometimes I wish they could maybe appreciate that the arts uh, more. But so, yes, I have had cases where, I gave recently I had where I gave someone a price for a mural and they were like, they tried to negotiate and until they understood that I wasn't going to come all the way out there to do, they, they tried to say, okay, what if you only do one tiny bit? I want, and, and for a very small price. And I just, it, it doesn't make sense for me to come all the way out there. I'm here, I'm making big paintings and they wanted me to fix up a painting that was already there. And also that's someone else's artwork. I want to do my own artwork. That person wouldn't appreciate me um, touching their artwork. And I would, I also, I wanted to do my own artwork and they didn't want to pay. And in the end they're like, okay, so let's just come and see what you can do for our budget until they realized that there is, I, I, you know, as an artist, I wish I could do everything for free. I, I love painting. I would paint all day for free, but there's only so many hours a day. And a big part of that has to be dedicated to the family. So, um, I, I can't be painting for free. I can't give, um, too little. And I normally do end up when I've done paintings for people and I've given, I give a price according to people want to know the price. I, I want to charge per hour, but people want to just know what's the price ultimately going to be. So I give them a price, how I calculate in my head, how much it's going to take. I always go over by far because once I'm in it and then I want to put a few more details in here and once I'm enjoying it and I'm in it, I always go over, but People do often get surprised by how much artwork costs. But besides the fact that the materials is expensive and I only go for the highest quality because when I'm making artwork, I want it to be forever. I don't want it to be for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, 100 years. I want my artwork to be forever. So I only go for the top quality materials and canvases. And... I want to put all my heart into it, all my time. And it's a piece of me. People have to understand this painting. I've put a piece of my soul into it. And so that's worth something. I put emotional self. I put my physical self. I put my time. 
and it is, it's, it's, that's worth something. And people are surprised. I haven't had any major, like where people are like, oh my goodness, who do you think you are taking that sort of price? But people do seem a bit taken aback sometimes. And I've had people who have inquired and then say, okay, no, that's not for me, which is perfectly fine. Um, but I do say people should always ask, like, don't just assume it's going to be too much or too little or not for you. It's always good to ask. You don't need to feel bad. I, I think all artists will agree with me. You don't need to feel bad to ask and then say no. I'd like to thank our sponsors. ShopDrop is an iPhone app that lists every sample sale in New York. So if you want to buy designer clothes without breaking the bank, go to your iPhone and download the ShopDrop app today. Is this a sustainable business for you? Is this a- So for me, at the moment, it's... Um, it's a, let's say a supplement. My husband's the main breadwinner at home, which does make it a lot easier on me because between the art classes, the paint parties and the selling paintings, it does bring in a decent amount. But let's say with the art classes, um, whenever there's no school, I don't teach because people go our way people you know half the class ends up not showing up so I just made a rule if there's no school there's no class so that is a big chunk of the year where there's no classes there's no income the paint parties there's seasons where you have I have every week two three parties and then there are seasons where there's nothing so and then again with the paintings sometimes I'm making a custom commission and sometimes I'm just painting for myself and I'm investing in paintings that I'm hoping is going to get sold soon, but you know, you never know. So since it's all such, it's not so certain. I, it's very good that it's a second thing. And my husband's the main breadwinner, but if I did have to support, I don't know if I could say support the family on it. I think it could definitely add to a quality of I don't know if you say quality or to comfortability, to knowing, you know, there's always, it's that bit extra that makes you comfortable. And it probably also Mm -hmm. makes you feel like you're contributing to the family, adding that extra level of of comfort or luxury or whatever else you could sponsor. And if I want to buy something and it's the more expensive version of what I want to buy, I don't necessarily feel bad because... I, I've also contributed to the financial side, you know, in the beginning, the first few years when I wasn't working, if I'd want to buy myself something that was an extra, I felt guilty. Or even if I wanted to buy my husband a gift, I felt like I'm going to take his credit card and buy him a gift. That just feels silly. Well, it's so nice to have a conversation with someone, first of all, from the other side of the earth, the side I'm from, but also who is so fulfilled and content in a place with your art. I I think in my communications and conversations with other artists, there's so much, not bad blood, but there's so much anxiety and hardship and so many challenges that it's nice to have an I I guess you have that more with the visual artists, the artists that use their paintbrushes and there's not anything halakhically wrong with it (laughs) or problematic with it actually if I may correct myself so there so it's a real pleasure to have you know a positive energizing conversation where there is a happy medium 
for women like you. So I'd like to close up with this. If there's anyone out there who's listening right now who does want to pursue this, I wouldn't say more professionally, but who would want this to be their professional career? Yeah. Uh, and and they would want to support their family with it. So besides for teaching, are there any other routes that are available that you may have chosen not to take, but that are available? Well, if I would, let's say, not be teaching, I could probably be focusing more on the actual painting paintings and selling those, which are a bigger, mar- bigger margins. Yes, you make a big amount, you sell a painting, you make a nice profit on that painting, but it's also more risky because you don't know when you're going to sell your next painting. You're hoping you will. You could sell copies, you could sell Disleys, but you never know for sure. But that you can really build a career if you're really good at it. That's a, that's really important. You've got to be good at it. And you've also got to be good at selling your story because people buy the artist as much as the artwork. Um, so they the value goes up if they know you, if they feel like they see your personality and if you, um, you know, and really the, if someone really is trying to support their family, it's, I would say the teaching is definitely something that if you had more hours, so I teach about 10 a, a week, I could teach much more than that a week. I could even go and teach in the schools. The reason I don't teach in the schools is mainly because of the language. If you were teaching much more and you had a steady income being an art teacher in school or teaching the whole time. The reason I don't teach more is because I want to be there with my kids more. But if someone has the opportunity to teach during school hours, for example, or um, selling more paintings, just forget the teaching, work on painting, make tons of paintings every week, complete another painting and, and go on social media and use the platforms of social media to advertise your paintings and get everyone to know about your paintings that will get it out. And the one thing I will say is in the beginning, you're, you've got to try, don't look at these big names of these famous artists and think, Oh, I want to sell my first painting for the same price as them because no one knows you yet. No one's going to buy a painting for, for, uh, um, for, uh, such a high price. If they don't know you start when you're starting out, you're working for, I wouldn't say for free, but for very, very small margins. And just go with it. Don't be demoralized because you're making so little. Just keep pushing through. Even though in the beginning you're not making much, you if you keep pushing through and just keep, you can keep growing your margins here and there. Give out freebies wherever you can. Get your name out there. You know, I sometimes when I'm on the plane, I just... Um, I paint like watercolor paintings on these little postcards and a few times people sitting around got interested and they asked me, so what do you do with those little paintings? I tell them nothing. So they tell me, Oh, can I have that? So I do. And I write my name on it, get your name out there, get everyone, do everything you can for people to know you, but, and then just work on once, once people know your name and if you're good enough, you'll be able to sell enough paintings to definitely, support yourself to support your family that's and it's just about running a business just like anyone else exactly thank you so much Abigail for coming in the show and sharing your tips and stories thank you for having me yeah it's been such a pleasure would you like to share a few ways people could get in touch with you or buy your art or where they can see your art best way is through Instagram so you can just follow me on Abigail's Art Loft 
And there I share my artwork. I show little bits of the classes to show how much fun they are or what, also how much fun they are and also how the girls are learning, not just bringing home paintings, but I'm also teaching them techniques. And you can see all that on the Instagram and you can see my paintings. I, I, I post uh, my paintings there and then you can message me if you're interested in commissions or in anything that's already there. And if you have been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, share this podcast with other friends. Also, make sure to go back and listen to the episodes from the beginning. We have some amazing Jewish female artists who have been featured on the show. And if you do have suggestions for any future interviews you think we should hold, please make sure to reach out at franciscak at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. Also, please click on the link in the show notes to fill out a quick survey to help us build, improve, and make this podcast better for you. 